begin by, uh, by praying for those who are in harm's way right now and are just going through some, some real struggle. And, and the thing is, not only in, this, uh, in the United States, but also, I don't know if you know, there's a typhoon going on in Philippines that has lost a, a significant amount of life as, as well. So if we could just pray for, uh, for our nation and the, and the world right now. Uh, God, we do lift up all those who, have, uh, who are in harm's way, Lord God, who have lost property, who have lost uh, loved ones. God, who have lost um, so much of... And God, we just pray that you put your angels around them, that you protect, God, that you deliver, that you, uh, that you uh, just go into them and uh, into that situation and help them in whatever way they need. We pray, God, that you rebuild, that you refresh, that you restore, God. We pray that you bring uh, hope right now for those who are in harm's way. We pray for protection, that you look after them. And God, we pray for just the continued hedge of protection around... Uh, around Everything here, God, please, please, please bless your people. There's a lot of hurting people in this world right now. There's a lot of hurting people in our country right now. And we pray that you just take over those situations. In Jesus' name, amen. We also uh, just want to invite people. Next week, we're going to be doing the Taste of Crossroads Luncheon. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's a great way to, to get to know me, for me to get to know you. If you've just been coming a little while or you've been coming a long time and you've just never plugged in, maybe you've been watching online and yet you've, uh, you've never taken part in the church and you wonder what the church is about and everything, we invite you to come after the second service next week. A free lunch will be given and uh, really hope you can, can make it to that. This Wednesday, there's going to be a night of prayer and worship, so make sure you come out to, to that as well, a time where we lift up uh, all the needs of the people in our community, in our church, and, uh, and just uh, around the world there as well and, and worship God. Also, starting in two weeks from Wednesday, a week from this Wednesday, is going to be the, uh, our midweek uh, studies is, uh, again. And they have been incredible, and they've just been life-changing for anybody that's been a part of that, as you know, any the people that have been part of that. And it's a, this is a study on Max Lucado's Anxious for Nothing. This is something I believe every one of us can relate to, that we struggle with anxiety, we struggle with fear, we struggle with worry, we struggle with stress. And this is going to be a great study on, uh, on that, which meets on, on Wednesday night starting in a couple weeks. Books are outside, I believe, for, uh, for sale on those, and uh, just hope you can make it at that. You know, last, we were supposed to do a different message today. Okay, we were going to do the second part of uh, the Dancing with God, but a lot of that is, was, is video-related, uh, and then there's going to be some incredible dancers on, on stage, but we thought there may not be power today, so we wanted to postpone that. So uh, God, I think, gave a, a message to me on, on Thursday that some people said we should have been preaching on Noah's Ark, but I decided not to do that. But we are going to be talking about storms, and, and probably each one of us has been in storms that have scared us. I remember one, one storm, I remember I was on, uh, hiking on a place called Bald Mountain in Colorado. And, and this was before I was a Christian. I'm at the top of this mountain, and suddenly a horrendous lightning storm took place, okay? I mean, I mean one where, where bolts are hitting all around you. And remember, this is called Bald Mountain. That means there is nothing up there except you, you know? I mean, you're the only one. And I, I remember running down that mountain making vows to God that I still to this day don't think I fulfilled all the vows that I made 
on that. I remember, you know, there's, there's been snowstorms, wide out snowstorms that I've been driving in that I could not even, I did not even know where the, where the road was, much less, you know, you could just see barely outside the, the bumper and didn't know where to go, didn't know whether to stop because other people could plow into you, didn't know whether to keep going because you could plow into them and just that scary feeling. I remember being out on a lake one time in Colorado and in a little two-man raft and there was a, a storm that came up with over 80 mile an hour winds and I'm on this little raft and there's white caps on there and we barely made it to shore and just like you I've been in in some storms that have absolutely scared me half to death and then but then there's the other storms of life isn't there there's the storms of life that that are not maybe outward storms but they're the storms that are taking place in our heart the emotional storms the spiritual storms, the financial storms, the relational storms, the, we could go on and on and on. Those storms that really probably scare us a lot of times more than any storms on the, on the outside. They can be terrifying to us. They can be overwhelming to us. And we're going to take a look today at, some, at, at a storm that the disciples went through, and we can see some examples for our life when we go through the storms, literal and figural storms in life. And uh, we're going to turn, if you have your Bible, if you have your iPod, iPad, i-something, iPhone, i-goo, whatever you do, uh, Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 45. And it says this, Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars, don't miss this, because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves, and the, their hearts were hardened. Now, background for them is, is this. These disciples, they had faced one conflict after another, back-to-back-to-back-to-back storms. The first one was another storm where they were afraid for their life, and that's the one where Jesus was asleep in the boat, and they had to wake him up, and, and, and they were scared to death. They really thought they were going to die. Then soon, immediately after that, they go to shore and they encounter a demoniac. They encounter a guy that has at least 6,000 demons in him that's running around and screaming naked and cutting himself and all these things. And as if that's not back-to-back enough, then all of a sudden, Jesus is preaching to, to 5,000 men, probably 10 to 20,000 people all together, and, and they don't have enough food. Jesus says, you feed them. So they have this, this financial, they have this this provisional problem of, uh, of, of great magnitude, then all of a sudden they're in this. They face this next storm. And have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that a lot of times storms in life just come in waves, you know? Bam, 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 bam. You kind of feel like those, that little thing in whack-a-mole that you just get your head up and something smacks you back down and something gets, you just get your head back and something smacks you back down again. And that's kind of what they were going through. And you know, um, but here's, don't miss this. It said, the wind was against them. Have you ever had those times where the wind just felt like it was uh, against you? I remember one time being on Hilton Head Island. I mean, there was, a, a, there was a wind, like crazy, crazy wind, and we were riding bikes. And I remember one way we're going, and, and the wind was blowing so much, we were probably going 10 to 15, 15 miles an hour with the wind, and it was just like, we didn't even have to pedal. We're just kind of there, yeah, this is all right. 
But then going back the other way, it was, it was everything you had for foot by foot by foot was just with strain and with, with effort. And isn't that like life a lot of times? There's time in life that it just seems like everything just goes so smoothly. And all you've got to do is just, just hang on and, and everything you touch turns to gold. And then there's other times in life where it just seems like everything you do, it seems like there is blood, sweat, and tears to just stay where you are. To maintain, to go one foot further is everything you've got just to maintain where you are. And that's what they were facing. Now, there's, there's different, different reasons for storms in life, aren't there? If we're honest, some of the times we go through storms in life because of decisions we've made, because of actions we've taken, because of, because of disobedience in our life. Now, the, the poster child for that in the Bible is Jonah, right? I mean, God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go to north of Nineveh, and I want you to preach to those people. And, and, and so Jonah, now remember, this is a man of God. This is a prophet of God, a mighty prophet. God tells him to do something, and he does the exact opposite. Instead of going north to, to Nineveh, he goes south to Tarshish. So what does God do? What happens as a result of this complete disobedience? It's the, the Bible says, first of all, that God sent a great storm, and then he sent a great fish. And before we think that this is just God whacking up on, on, on Jonah, it's really, to me, an act of love that God is saying, look, you're out of where I want you, the, the, the goal that I have for your life, what I want you to be doing. So I, in love, am going to make get your attention and get it back where you think Nineveh is pretty good. And God sometimes, in love, and probably every one of us, can testify to a time where we disobeyed God, where we did our own thing, where we, from our own choices and everything, we face some storms in our life. And so many times God, in love, sometimes wakes us up to those things and allows a storm to happen in our life. Another time, it's just because we live in a fallen world, right? I mean, when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, it it affected not just them, it affected all of creation. Do we realize that? I mean, suddenly there are thorns and thistles and weeds when you try to plant things. Suddenly there is pain in childbirth and pain for the first time in this, in this life. There, was no, there were no hurricanes before then. There, were no, there was no earthquakes before the fall. There were no tsunamis. There was no pain, suffering, or any way. When they sinned for all of us, all of us and all of creation went into a, a, a tailspin. Now, there's going to become a time in, for us that are Christians where it's going to go back to where there's no pain and suffering or anything or all these things, that there is going to be really a, a heaven. But until those times, we face creation that, 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 that does things out of control. We face also people who make decisions for us, and, and we hurt as a result of that. That people take action against us, and we hurt, and we go through a storm in our life because of decisions that other people have made. Then there's also storms in life because of Satan. And an example for that in the Bible is Job. Uh, that, that Job did nothing wrong. I mean, nothing wrong. In fact, God said, this guy is blameless. And yet Satan goes after him in a, in a big way, and there's a storm that comes against him, a storm that comes against his family, and, uh, and this, this is completely written, directed, and produced by Satan himself. Now, probably if we've been walking with God very long, some of us, we know that there's a difference between, okay, we're just facing something that's just natural, you know, natural part of life, and then there's other times where you just feel attacked, Right? There's those times where you know, you know this isn't just things happening. I mean, Satan has got, you can smell his breath on this. You can smell sulfur. It's, it's got his name written all over it, going against an attack against you physically or against, against somebody that you love or against whatever it is that you're, that, that, but you just know it's, it just seems to be you're under attack, not just going through a tough time, but there's an attack going on. 
And then there's other times that we face a storm because we follow Jesus. You know, think about this. The disciples, they're obedient. They're absolutely doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. Jesus told them to get in a boat. They got in a boat. And because of that, they face a storm. I know there's times in my life where I've been obedient to God that I believe obedient to God and took a stand or did something that we believed we were supposed to do and all hell broke loose as a result of doing what we believe God was calling us to, uh, to do. There's times in life, you know, there's a, a book from DC Talk called Jesus Freaks. And all that was was about was people who took a stand for God throughout history and they felt persecution as a result of that. In fact, the... There's one verse in Scripture in 2 Timothy 3.11 that says, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Probably not a, a, a verse you've claimed lately, right? I mean, but it's saying if we really want to live for God, especially in this generation, at school, if you want to take a stand for God, if you want to take a stand for God in your, you know, wherever it is, there's going to face storms sometimes as a result of that. And, and they faced the storm on the outside, the disciples, but they also faced, I believe, at least three storms on the inside. And it's three F's, okay? The first one is fear. They faced fear. They faced, obviously, the fear of the, the, of the storm itself. I mean, they had gone to funerals for friends who had died in storms just like the one they were facing. They were scared of that storm. But they were also very much scared of, of Jesus when he came walking to them on the water. I mean, they thought, first of all, they thought they saw a ghost, which is, you know, would be scary enough. But they thought they saw the ghost, okay? Now, for, uh, for a lot of us, we don't realize there was a legend that went, took place in those days that said right before you were about to die on the, on the ocean, you would see the spirit of the water. So when they saw this, what they thought was a ghost, they thought this was the ghost, right? The ghost that said, you're through. You're going to die. You're going down. And they were absolutely, the Bible says the word, terrified. Okay, so first you've got fear going on. And every single one of us, we can relate to that, right? There's times that we have been afraid of whatever it is, afraid of, of something that's going to happen or that's happening right now, and there's fear, then there's anxiety, there's worry in our life. That's exactly what they were facing too. The other thing is fatigue. Um, now, I remember one time, again, being, on a, a, being in a canoe. We'd rented a canoe up in the mountains, and again, just this squall came up, and I mean just a furious squall, and the, it was white caps and everything, and we had to try to get back to the, where we had rented the, uh, the, the, the canoes. And we're striving with everything we've got. I mean, we, there's two of us, and we are, we are going down, and we are working with everything we have. And the bad news is, too, is if we did not go forward like that, if we were allowed to go backwards, there is a dam with a waterfall, right? So we were, if we just let it go, we were heading towards that. So with everything we have probably for 15, 20 minutes, we're going as hard as we can, and we are getting nowhere, and we are exhausted, and we know we can't keep this up very long. So we just go try to go to shore another way and just ditch the boat over on the side instead of getting back and realize we're not going to make it back there. And that's 15 or 20 minutes of this, and we are tuckered out. The disciples, they had been straining at the oar. It says that they, it was the fourth watch of the night. That is between, four, uh, between 2 and 6 o'clock in the morning. And you know what that, that means? They have been straining at the oar for probably 8 to 9 hours. They are wasted. They are exhausted. And again, probably every one of us knows what it feels like to be straining at something, that we've been striving for something emotionally or physically or something, that we have gone after something, and we're just not getting any headway. 
And we're just so tired. We're so tired of dealing with the same, with the same addiction. We're so tired with dealing with the same issues. We're so tired of dealing with the same person. We're same tire, so tired of dealing with whatever it is. And you just get exhausted. And you just feel like ditching the boat on the, on the side of the water. The other thing is they faced was, was frustration. At least, you know, at, at least Simon the Zealot was probably thinking, when he saw Jesus feed everybody, was probably thinking, oh man, this is it. This is where the Messiah comes, and he's going to whoop up on Rome and everything. But instead of him being handed a sword, he's handed some oars. And instead of him being commanded to fight, he's commanded to float. And he's probably so frustrated. But the others, I guarantee you all, everyone was thinking, as they're going against the oars with everything they have, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus in all this? He's the one that told us to get in the boat, and now where is he? I mean, he's just on the shore doing everything. Does he even see us? Does he know what we're going through? Does he understand the pain that we're going through? And yeah, he just fed 5,000, 10,000 strangers, and now here his disciples are in a boat. Does he even care what's happening to us? We're his, you know, we're his flock, and, and he's left us. And probably, again, a lot of us can think about where it seems like, it seems like that God has forsaken us, that God has, has abandoned, that God doesn't see what's going on in our, in our life. But here, there's, there's four things that Jesus does that I, that I love here. The first thing Jesus did is he prayed for them. You know, he said they went on up to the mountaintop and prayed. Now, it's not explicit in the in Scripture that the, he was praying for them, but who do you think he was praying for? I mean, and think of this. If you knew, if you knew that Jesus was praying for you, what difference do you think that would make in your life? If Jesus right now, if you knew that he was praying for your situation... How do you think you'd face that situation any, any different? Well, listen to what the Bible says, which is, which is beautiful. In Romans 8, 33 and 34, it says, It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Jesus Christ, who died. More than that, who is raised to life and is at the right hand of God. And here's what he's doing at the right hand of God. He is also interceding for us. I mean, think of this. Jesus Christ is praying for you, just like that day he was praying for the disciples. He also saw them. He saw them straining at the oars. I mean, and, and what I love about that is he saw them in the midst of their struggle. He saw their struggle. He saw their fight. He saw what they were going through. And again, for every one of us who have ever wondered, God, right now, there's people who are hearing me right now that are wondering, God, do you see the struggle I'm going through? Do you see what we're going through? Do you see, do you care? Do you see what's going on? And, and the Bible makes it clear, Jesus sees us in the midst of our struggle. But something else I love, too, is it says that Jesus saw them. And remember, he's seeing them in the, the second and third watch of the night. That means it is pitch dark outside. You know what that means? That means Jesus can see in the dark. And you know what that means for all of us? who Any kid in here, any kid listening on there, you don't have to be afraid of the dark because Jesus can see in the dark. And for all the rest of us kids that are hearing this right now, you know what that means for us? Is we don't have to be afraid of the dark because Jesus can see in the dark. In fact, Psalm 139 says, even the darkness is light to him and night is as bright as the day. And that's not just talking about physically. That's talking about the darkness that's in, that we're facing. That means the struggle there that in the middle of the dark situation, we may not know where we're going, but God knows where, where we're going. God sees even in the darkest night, he can see where we're going and what's happening with us. The other thing he does is, is Jesus comes to them. Uh, Jesus came to them. And notice this. Jesus came to them in his timing and in his way, not in the disciples' timing and the disciples' way. 
I mean, think about how many times that Jesus, oftentimes when we cry out to him, he doesn't come in the way we expect. He doesn't come at the time we expect, but he comes to us. And the next thing, too, is I love, do not miss this, do not miss this if you don't hear anything else. Watch how he came to them. He came to them walking on the what? The water, the waves. What are they afraid of? What's the biggest thing they're afraid of there? They're afraid of the waves, right? I mean, the wind's not, you know, it's one thing, but it's the waves that are going to kill them. It's the waves. And he comes there, and he comes waltzing to them on the very thing they're afraid of. How cool is that? And it's like him saying, you know what? It may be scaring the mess out of you. It's nothing to me. I can dance on it. I can walk on it. I can stomp on the biggest thing you're afraid of. It's nothing to be afraid of. And the other thing is that I love, too, is he comes to them on the very thing. He, the very thing that is frightening them is the very avenue by which he comes to them. And I would not doubt if whatever you're struggling with right now, the biggest struggle you have, the biggest fear, the biggest anxiety, the biggest worry, is that's the very thing that Jesus uses as a highway to get to your heart right now. It's a highway to get to where, uh, where he can touch your heart, where he can take you to a deeper relationship with him, where he can and love you even more and show you his strength and show you his power even more. The thing you're most frightened about is the very way can, that can be a highway to where God wants to, uh, wants to take you. And, and finally is, oh, don't miss this either, is, is Jesus, or they didn't recognize Jesus. I mean, Jesus is walking to them. These are guys that have been with Jesus for two or three years, and they didn't even recognize him because he did not come the way they expected him to come. And I wonder how many times in life Jesus comes to us in a way we're not expecting. We didn't expect him to come. And sometimes we forget to thank him because he came to us in a way we didn't expect him to. And maybe you needed provision and something over here provided for you. So you thought, okay, that's my provision. But you forgot that it's God, that all things, all of our provision comes from God. And we didn't realize that that was God taking care of us. When it happened over here. Or maybe, you know, thank God we have a lot of doctors in this church and, and th- praise God for what they do. Praise God for medicine. Praise God for our doctors. But also some, maybe sometimes through medicine or through things like that, that God heals us through, through that. And we sometimes just remember that and we forget that God was the one that used those hands and that mind in order to heal us or that medicine in order to heal us. I don't know, so many times God can heal us through in ways or do things for us in ways that we may never give him credit for. Another thing is Jesus was, this is a wild one, Jesus was about to pass them by. Isn't that weird? I mean, it's just kind of weird to me that he's like walking by on the water and they're just, and until they called out to him, it looked like he was just going to keep on going. And this is weird to me. But maybe, 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 maybe Jesus waits until we invite him in the theories of our life. Maybe it's just because we, you know, that, that he waits, he waits for us to say yes to him for salvation. He waits for us to say yes, maybe, you know, for God to pray in order for that miracle to happen. He is a gentleman, and he comes when he's invited, and that's a big reason why we pray. It's a big reason because he waits for us. He knows, he knows our needs before we ask, but he still asks us to ask. He waits for that invitation, and that's, again, why prayer is so incredibly important. And the last thing he does, not only does he, he pray for them, not only does, does he, he also uh, see them, he comes to them, but he also calms the storm, doesn't he? I mean, I love this. He just speaks to the storm like it's a child and just says, shut up, just be, be quiet. And it shuts up and is, is still there. In other words, there is no storm that is too big for our big God. No matter, hear that, even what's going on outside, and there's no storm that is in your heart right now, no storm that you're facing, no storm that your loved one is facing that is too big for God. It's nothing to him. He can quiet in a, in a moment. 
And notice some of the things that God is dealing with that he shows himself powerful over. First, in this story, he shows himself powerful over nature, doesn't he? Because he sees in the dark. He walks on water. He calms a storm. God is in control of nature because he created nature. God also is stronger than the deepest fears that the disciples have. He also uh, uh, has control over time and space. Don't miss this. This is really wild. That in, uh, in one account, in John's account of the of this same thing, it says that immediately the time Jesus, when he calmed the storm, they immediately made it to the other side of the, the shore where they were supposed to be. Suddenly they're, they're here one second, and suddenly they're, boom, they are beam me up Scotty at the, other, at the other place. Now, I think this is really cool. You know what this means to me? That Jesus, that all those wasted hours that they were wasting at the, at the oars, it was okay that Jesus could even redeem that time and get them where they were supposed to do. The Bible says this. The Bible says that, that the, the years the locust has destroyed, that he can recover. And all those times, he, there's some people in here that you may be thinking that something that you, you wasted years or you wasted this or you wasted that, God can redeem that time in an instant. And God can do, imagine this, God can do more in one second than they did in nine hours of straining at the oar. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever seen that? Were you strained and you strained and you strained and you worked and you did this and you did this and tried to get something accomplished and it never happened and God in one second took care of everything. In one second, he, he changed the whole situation. He calmed the storm. He calmed you. And there's a few things in here that I think we're supposed to understand, some insights. The first, an insight into, into safety. You know, that, that, that it, is, it is safer to be in the center of God's will in the middle of a storm than to be on dry land away from his will. It's safer to be in the center of his will wherever that is. You know, I know people use, a lot of times we go on, we've gone on mission trips that were in dangerous situations, and I believe when God puts us in there, we're safer in the middle of God's will there than we are sitting on our, our front porch uh, in, a, in another way. Uh, An insight into peace. This is a big one. I, this one blows me away. Jesus said, it is I... Uh, take courage. Don't be afraid. Now think of it. When he said those words, nothing had changed. When he said, don't be afraid, take courage, the storm was still raging. The wind was still blowing. The waves were still crashing in. They were still fighting against that. Do you know what that means? That means that, that we can take courage even in the midst of the worst storms. And think of that. He's saying, take it. He's offering you. If we, it's like Jesus saying, I give you courage, but you've got to take it. I give you peace, but you have to receive it. And even in the midst of the, the, the worst storms. But, uh, but knowing that, that, that this is what this means to me, is that peace doesn't mean the absence of a storm. It means the presence of Jesus. Even in the midst of the storm that we're facing, figuratively and literal, the peace isn't that there's not going to be a storm because we're going to face storms in this world. Jesus said, said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. We're going to have storms in this world. There should be nobody that goes, wow, I, I thought as a Christian, I thought I'd never face another storm. I'd never face a struggle. But peace means that we have Jesus. We have the conqueror of storms in the boat with us at all times so we don't have to be afraid. If we can bow our head and close our eyes. And if the altar team could come forward. If you're going through a tough time, if you're facing a storm, then 
um, just get out of your seat and as we're, as we're uh, singing and, and just come to the altar. That probably, if we're honest, probably every one of us are dealing with a storm to one degree or another, maybe just some small winds or some, a, a little rain. But then there's others of us who are going through absolutely a hurricane force gale, not only literally but figuratively in your life. Don't go through that alone. Remember, Jesus is right here. And, and, and just like the disciples called out to him, it was when they called out to him that they saw him conquer the storm. So God, we call out to you right now and we say, please conquer the storms in our life. And again, we pray for those who are hurting right now and conquer the storms as a result of this storm. God, I pray for every person here who's struggling with an issue, a struggle, a fear, a worry, that they are afraid of something and concerned. God, for every person who's fatigued here and just been trying to knock on the same door to no avail, been straining at the oars and the wind has been against them. God, for every single person that's hearing me that's frustrated, confused, discouraged, I pray, God, that I know what you wanted to do with the disciples is you wanted to change their fear and change it, transform it into faith. So that's what I pray you do right now. I pray you take our fear and you transform it into faith and courage. We take hold of the courage you offer. We take hold of the peace that you give right now. For those who are fatigued, we pray that you bring release. And that, God, you make something happen that has not been able to happen. I just speak release on anything and breaking whatever whatever you say, that you break down the, the gates of iron and the doors of brass. So, God, we just pray that you break down some, some gates and some doors that have been keeping people, hindering people, for so long. And God, we pray that you bring encouragement, that you pour in encouragement right now to your people where there's been discouragement. And we thank you, God, in the midst of our storm that you pray for us, that you see us, that you come to us, and you can say, peace be still. And you will either conquer the storms and bring peace there or you will bring peace to our heart or both. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.